that's just been painted. I'll just turn it down a touch. No, the rule was, no, the rule wasn't don't adjust. The rule was don't touch. So please help us because you're costing us money. Yeah, it's like Adam and Eve in the garden. Don't eat, don't touch. Because what happens is, is you adjust something for your comfort, but it ends up making us all uncomfortable. And we're laboring this because it's costing us money. So please just, that's not the message this morning. That's, that's the free one. I want to talk to us this morning about cultivating, again, we're remaining in the family. I want to talk about cultivating the supernatural dimension into the, into the lives of your children. Well, thank you for that overwhelming response. If you want to, if you want your children to have a future, then you must show them another world. Your kids can get every, your kids will find a way of getting all they need on this world, on this planet. They will find a way, whether you show them or not, they'll find a way. But there is a dimension in the spirit that they will never find unless you as the parent Teach them. Because what you don't teach them, somebody else has to show them, or they'll, they'll go another way. They'll find another way to satisfy their own desires. It's not enough for you to be in church. Don't be so selfish. We don't want you in church. We want Christ in you. The rest will take care of itself. And last week I spoke to you, and I did some personal FaceTime. Good face, isn't it? So is yours. And... Uh, because I had some things to say, I could have written. I mean, we read that scripture from one John, uh, sorry, 2 John 1, 12. I have much to write to you. I've always got something to write to you. And I don't want to use paper or ink. Instead, I hope to visit you soon while I'm here in the flesh. And I uh, hope to see you talk with you face to face. So that's, that's the original FaceTime. Amen? So I still have much to say. I've always got something to say. But not just for the sake of saying it. I have something to say from God, from God, from heaven to you. Amen. And uh, it's always good when you can do things face to face. So I thank God that for this opportunity that uh, I want to talk to you about this cultivating the, the, you know, the supernatural. I wish someone would have taught me how to tap into the supernatural and then how to bring my kids across. Because we bring our kids to church, leave them in church and just think God will sort it out. And how many of you know that's not been the case? I said, how many of you know that's not the case? Why do I know that? Because some of your kids are not here today. Neither some of mine. Two of mine. So, if you go to 1 Chronicles chapter 32, sorry, 1 Chronicles 12 verse 32, it's a small scripture, but you've, you've probably heard this scripture before, but I want to pick up something I see in this scripture. And it says this, regarding the tribe of Issachar, the men of Issachar understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So they understood the times, and they knew what they should do. Right now, do, let me ask you a question. Do you understand the times you are living in, and do you know what you should do, or what should be done in your time? Because people are rushing to and fro, panicking, trying to sort their lives out, trying a lot of things, wasting their own time, wasting their own energy, only to get climbing ladders they should never climb, because when they climb this ladder, only to find out it's leaning against the wrong wall. We haven't got time to waste. You think when you're young, you've got all the time in the world, but then you're older, you wish you could cash it back in again. 
time is to be used, not be wasted. True? And our life's like a fleeting shadow. It passes. It's over before we know it. It's over before we know it. But here, this group of men understood the times and knew what to do in that time. That's a special grace to know, to understand your time and to know what to do. If we've seen anything in the last two, the, the last two elections, Brexit and, and the American, the country, the, world, the country doesn't know what to do. It doesn't know what to do. The church even, is even more uh, you know, lost what to do. One half saying Donald's the man, the other half saying Hillary's the man. Right? And the church doesn't know what it wants. In, the, in Britain, when it came to Brexit, the church was quiet. We never heard her voice. Why? Because there is no sense of time. It's easy to say what's going wrong in our time, but do we understand the time? What is going on behind what's going on? Hello? What is going on behind what's going on? And despite what's going on, can you see God moving? God spoke to me this week and he said to me, Tony, you better start seeing me in the things that nobody else is seeing. You better see in the midst of corruption and chaos, you need to find out where I'm moving. Because I'm always moving, Tony. Irrespective of how dark it is, you need to track me where I'm moving. And that really affected me. Because I don't know about you, that when things are falling apart, it's so easy to focus and get drawn into what's, what's falling apart. And here's God saying to me, Tony, I'm not in that noise. You need to train your ears to the whisper. So you can see where I'm moving and track my movements. Have you ever noticed when you're not well and you're under that fever and you're starting to shiver, somebody moving in the room causes you to shiver. Have you ever noticed that? I've done that many times when I'm shivering. Carol's got up and just the sheer wind of her moving causes me to start, oh, please don't move, darling, sit down. I don't know if you ever thought, I felt that. That's how God wants us to be that sensitive that in the midst of everything, we can feel he's moving and track him. We know where he is. Come on. When nobody else has got the answer for your family, you need to see where God's moving and how he's moving and how you can solve what's going on or what needs to be solved. So here's this, this group of people. I want, to, I want you to see something. It's very powerful, this tribe. It's such a small thing said about them, but there's so much behind it. He says this, this was one of the tribes of Israel, and at their height, it says about their genealogy, there was 87,000 of them. This is how big this, this uh, tribe was, 87,000. You don't believe me, it's in 1 Chronicles 7.5, it gives you their figure. But this tribe was a family who had received a distinct gift. Because when it talks about Issachar, it talks about them in a specific way. They were a tribe. They were a people who knew the times and what to do. Now notice this. This was a gift. So this was a tribe that had received knowledge, insight, and wisdom to know the times and seasons and to know what to do in that time and season. This was a gift that was in this family. Yeah? It made him wise and insightful. Who wants to be not insightful? You know, have insight, she's not insightful. Insight. There was a fi family who had insight. They weren't insightful. Rephrase that. How many would want, God wants families in his house to be wise and have insight. Like this family did. 
Now, when the scripture speaks about this family, it did not say some in that family had this gift. It says this tribe carried this gift. He didn't eulogize on certain men that they came from this tribe and they possessed this gift. It spoke about them in the collective term, not in the individual term, which then got me thinking. And I believe it's what God was showing me. That Tony, you need to understand that I deposit things into families' lives. I deposit gifts, talents, graces in families' lives. So in the Higginson household, there is gifts, talents, and graces. And when I say Higginson, I'm going right back. Right, right, right back. There are gifts, talents, is great. And it's not until you begin to look at your family lineage, you begin to see certain patterns emerge. Certain patterns begin to emerge in your family. Go looking for it. And God's deposited these into the genes and to the DNA of your family. Some of you may have entrepreneurs in your family. Some of you may have philanthropists. Some of you may have come from crime. Your families always seem to have had crime. You've had jail time. Not about you, what about your family? Yeah? Some of you may have always, you can see a distinct musical ability or a creative gift ability running through the family line. Yes? And you can track what God has put into the soil of your heritage. And you can draw from that what's in that family. Because it's in the family ready for you to draw. God supplied it at the beginning. You're not happy about that. I can see that. Some of you may have had certain tradesmen. Your dad was this. His father was that. His father and his father and his father. But you were flipping good at it. You were damn good at it. Yeah? Some of you may have had pastors. You may be a third generation pastors. A pastor, you may be, sorry, pastor's kid. You may have, your family may have, all through the history, we've always loved God. Thank God for that. Recognize that. Recognize it. Because when it comes to your turn, you've got to pay it forward. Now it's your turn to keep that in the family. God has graced that family. That's what makes families, families. That's why some families are known for this. If you take, is, it the, what fam, is it the Kennedy family? The Kennedy family always seem to have death. Some things follow people. Yeah? Now, when I look at my own family, this caused me to, to see, when God began to speak to me about this and show me this, I was preparing this, I thought, wow, this is cool. This is cool. He said, Tony, sometimes you're looking for things and it's already in the DNA of the family. You see it can then go mine it out in prayer. Go mine it, go and search it, go and dig for it. It's in the soil of your family. Come on. So if my great-grandma was a, was a Christian and yet there's been a gap, I can tap hold of, I tap into what she tapped into and begin to mine what she touched and draw the gold out of that and then secure it for my generation. Come on, think about it. These men carried 
a gift. And all, all the days of their life, when he speaks to them, he speaks that this family carried this DNA. Come on, see it. The men carried it. This was given to the men. So why? Because the men were supposed to be the leaders of the household. Yes? So when I looked at my own family seeds and began to see what, what God has put into my DNA, I began to see that my Uncle Sammy used to be, when I look at the musical gift, when I look at my Uncle Sammy, he used to play for the BBC professionally. David, sorry. Who's Sammy? Oh, it's that thing, isn't it? Yeah. David Sammy Jr. It was him. David, that's it. I knew when I said it, I thought, it's not right, this. Anyway, she's not part of my family, anyway. In my family, I said, she'll, not yours. <laughs> my Uncle David, apparently, I don't know who Uncle Sammy was. I know who Uncle Sammy was. <laughs> Played for the BBC. That's my first recollection, uh, recollection, recollection of music in my mind. There may be more. In the family. And then we begin to see that, you know, my grandmother and my grandfather could play the piano. They used to have these whacking great big Wurlitzer. And anybody knows what a Wurlitzer is? They had this massive Wurlitzer. And they'd be playing bum. I used to have the lessons, go to, go to organ fest and things like that. Thinking, dear me, spending all our inheritance on an organ, dear me. <laughs> Joking. But they had a ball with it. They loved it. So that's my Uncle David, my grand and granddad. And then it comes to, unfortunately, me. Yeah. <laughs> and then you see Paul. You see Tom. You see Scott. You see Jake now learning to play the drums. And this musical grace that's been in our family is now running through. I never asked for it. I didn't even think about it. But it's come on me. I picked it up. I, I give it some responsibility. I started using it. And, and I would never call myself a musician. I joke. But I've got music running through me. My gift is leading in worship, not so much playing. So God supplies what I need to do what I need to do. Amen? And, but it, where was it? It was in the family. God had already put it in there. And then I began to see even my, my other two children who were not serving the Lord and musical. Both Ben and Laura can play the drums. Music has just been given to us. I've written songs. So it's just, I didn't ask for it. I didn't pray for it. But I realized it's in the genes. Not these ones. But it's in the genes. What's in your family? What is it what God wants to bring out and remind and use at this time? Right? This is a key to bringing your kids into the supernatural dimension. To see how the grace flows through your family. You don't always have to pioneer a new way. God has put the seeds in the family that you can tap hold of. Amen? You may be the first to start the revolution. But being the first is fine. But someone's got to start the journey. Now, I don't know if David, my Uncle David, tapped into something else. or well, I don't know where it came from, but it's in the family. And then I began to see 
the, the public speaking side of this. How has God has given me a public speaking uh, grace and gift? I began to see how my father was a shop steward. So that would involve public speaking. And you'd have to speak and convince your workforce. And he was the liaison between the, work, you know, the, the managers and the workforce. And then my uncle Alan, he also was uh, a shop steward and then actually ended up working for the union. And these were in humongous companies. Not small companies, humongous companies. And then there's my mother. She became the community activist. That's where the mouth on roller skates comes from. The DNA in my mother. My mother was never stuck for a word. And then here's the thing is, you're not going to believe this, but this is absolutely gospel. When my mom, my mom used to write my dad's speeches. And I used to do the spell checking. How bad were those speeches? I was good at spelling in those days. That's the only thing I could do. So the, the music, the public speaking. And then my dad, when he finished working, began to do English literature. And then he had this crazy idea to do children's storybooks. And he became his own illustrator and his own writing. So then where does the writing come from? It's already in the family. Dad's written a, Dad's written a children's book before I ever wrote a book. Before I ever wrote a book. <laughs> Before I ever wrote a book. And God's all, and I'm realizing that all I'm not actually doing anything that my family hasn't done. The only difference is God has given me a purpose behind what I'm doing. It was already in the DNA of the family. Now I've had to work and give my gifting responsibility. Yes, because mine's not a natural gifting. In fact, none of our family had natural giftings. They've all had to work on it. You get a seed. There, the rest has to be developed. Yes? You get a seed, that's all you get. So here I'm seeing that now the writing is upon my life. Whether it's writing songs or writing books. I've written five books. This is not bad from a kid that couldn't even keep attention in classroom. Tony, straight A student, absent, absent, absent. This is not none bad from a, a guy that was never, I was always in school, just never paid attention. School was not good for me. Listening to teachers all day long, <laughs> never stimulating me. But the point is, that was not a limited, and that's not, a, and a, and a, that's not a, any cop out not to study at school. That was just me. And God's grace has given me a second chance, but I've had to work at it. I spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours writing. This man will tell you, when he comes into church, I'm always at my computer. Why? Because I'm writing. David, David and I see each other quite a lot. And I'm always writing. Why? Because I give my gift responsibility. Now, I'm hoping somewhere in the family, Scott will catch it. Maybe Laura. Maybe, you know, uh, Ben. In whatever fields they're in. I'm hoping that this music, this, the, the seeds that's in our family, will continue to flow. Because you know what? You know what, what my mother and father never thought of is that the gifts that God's given me has allowed me to bring people into the supernatural dimension. Understand the supernatural dimension and touch the dimension. Why? Because what God's given to me, I've given to you. 
Yes? So what God gives to our families is for others. It's not just for us. God gives you the pleasure of using it and seeing, and, getting, and, and seeing the joy of using it and how it affects others, but it's others. God gives you a supply for your own needs, but to supply the needs of others. Can you see this? Maybe you can't. It's called a compound anointing. What others tapped into, I've tapped into, but God's got involved. And now that gifting, that grace, that talent has got sharper, it's got refined, and God's breathing on it. Amen? Where the others were flesh and blood. Now it's been brought under the spirit, it's now cleaned up. Amen? I'm not writing children's books, not that writing children's books is wrong, it's not, it's a great gift. Fantastic. It's not that we don't have so many shop stewards these days. Workers don't have rights. We don't need shop stewards anymore. We have contracts. It all comes from the soil of your lineage. Now, I'm not saying there are not other gifts that God gives to you by the Spirit of God. That's a different thing. I'm talking about drawing from what's already in your lineage. Yes? So let's go to Judges, chapter 13, verse, starting from verse 8. Let's see what's in the, the lineage here. We're not going to finish all this today. But I want to take you through how to, to bring your kids, your family, into the supernatural dimension. I want you to see it, but it won't be all today. I want you to see that one generation, whoever that generation is, it may be you, it may be somebody else, is responsible for starting the process. Hello? Come on, be a little more responsive. <laughs> you may be that person. Now, you're drawing from what's, be, from what's gone before, so then you must quicken and strengthen so what can be then paid forward. Does that make sense? So what I received from my father, I now pass on, but now it's gone through some process of refining. So even though I can draw the good stuff, I don't have to draw the bad stuff that came with it. Yes? God cleans it up. He cleans it up in you. So that when you pass it forward, you're passing on a gift and a seed that's more perfected, and more mature than maybe the one, than the one you picked up. Because maybe others had some wrong habits there were good gifts, sharp gifts, but the person, the vessel, was anything less but perfect. So now as it's come to you, God must work on your heart to refine what you, what's been drawn from there, that history, so that when you pass it forward, it has more of Christ in it. It has less flesh and blood, but it has now more Christ. Does that make sense? Because we want people to see Christ, not just gift. It's so important that our children, we are presenting to our family a person. We want them to have a relationship with this person called Christ. We don't just want them to see power or gifts or talent. We want them to know the one who makes it all work. When it's surrendered and submitted, God can do anything. So here we see in the book of Judges, Samson is in the frame, he's in the wings, ready to be birthed. But his mother and father 
are going to have an encounter with heaven as to this boy called Samson. So let's read from verse 8. Then Manoah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, I beg you, let the man of God sent to us come again to teach us how to bring up the boy who is to be born. Now, they've had an angelic visitation. The angelic visitation has told him what is going to take place, but Manoah wasn't there. It came to his wife. The visitation came to his wife. So then she tells her husband, we've had a visitation. We're going to have a boy. And so the man said, no, well, if, find, me, find me the man who told you all this because he doesn't know it's an angel. Find me the man. So here now we pick up the conversation, what she's telling him. Okay? Then Manoah prayed to the Lord. Oh, I beg you, let the man of God you sent to us come again to teach us how to bring the boy who is to be born. And God heard Manoah, and the angel of God came again to the woman while she was out in the field, but her husband, Manoah, was not with her. So the woman, so the woman hurried to tell her husband, He's here! The man who appeared to me the other day, Manoah got up and followed his wife. When he came to the man, he said, Are you the one who talked to my wife? I am, he said. So Manoah asked him, When your words are fulfilled, what is to be the rule for the boy's life and work? And the angel of the Lord answered, Your wife must do all that I've told her. She must not eat any, he must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, nor drink any wine or other fermented drink or anything unclean. In other words, he can't drink alcohol. She must do everything I've commanded her. Manoah said to the angel of the, uh, of the Lord, we would like you to stay until we prepare you a young goat for you. And the angel of the Lord replied, even though you detain me, I will not eat any of your food. But if you prepare a burnt offering, offer it to the Lord. See, great, straight away, he is showing it's not him. He's a messenger. Present your, Lord, present your offering to the Lord. He's the one who must get the glory here. Yeah, it's not the messenger. You are the messenger. You may be the instructor. You may be the teacher, but it cannot be for you. This is, this is what keeps the grace operating in the family. You must always present the one who is giving your drawing from. If you're not drawing from God, then there's only you left. But if, God, if you're drawing from God, you're drawing from a supernatural supply, then all that you teach your family, you must present. It is the Lord who's supplying. Don't look at flesh and blood. I just know how to walk with him. Amen? So Manoah did not realize that it was an angel of the Lord. So go down to verse 24. The woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. He was in Mahanadan between Zorah and Eshtol. So there's a time now when what they've tapped into, now God begins to, God begins to now touch the family. Can you see this? It's now passed from them to the son. So let's pick up some points here. Let's pick up some dynamics out of this whole scripture that I believe are important for us that if we are going to bring our family into the supernatural realm, because this is a realm that must be touched by you first. Let me say that again. It's a realm that, you, that must be touched by you first. 
You are responsible as the adult to teach those who don't know. If you are a Christian, you are responsible for showing them the way. If you can't show your family the way, then don't expect them to walk in that way. True. Because it's hypocritical to think they will walk in the way just because you come to church. Coming to church is not walking in the way. That's called coming to church. There's a way to church, you know that way. But to walk in the way of Christ is a relationship. And you're often your version of what, how you walk with the Lord needs serious review, just like mine does. That's why God spoke to me, told you, you better start seeing me in the chaos. Because you'll lose hope and you'll think I'm not there if you can only see me when things are good. Because our kids are going to touch some dark stuff. If they haven't already. You better be able to see God in all that. Because if, 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 you, if they touch black stuff and you touch, if you think it's all dark, then guess what? There's no hope. So first thing here is, you as parents must let your children see you as parents praying. This is so important. You know, for, time, for years and years, I used to pray, Carol would pray. Then there was times when I wouldn't pray, and she might pray, and then there was vice versa. But I believe the time, that one of the best ways to show your children, and teach your children the prophetic realm, the supernatural realm, is to let them see mum and dad praying together, or let them hear you praying. Now this is so important, because most people want to keep what they pray private. I'm not saying you can't pray privately. Because there's some things you might want to talk to the Lord about the other half. And you don't want to hear him. Now, it's not that you're telling God some outer tales, you know. But there's something, there's a way that you might want to intercede for the one you love. And you, and you just want you and God to, to know about that. That's okay. But I'm saying there must be times, or I'm encouraging you, encouraging you to find times where you can show your family... Now, you say, what happens if I'm the only one? Well, then, you, you know, your family can still hear you praying. Your family can still hear you praying. I think it's important that your family... See, me and Carol have always had this rule that we, we have never shied away from being intimate in front of our children. We've never shied away. So if we, you know, if I hold her and, and I just... We kiss, I'm not talking about a full-on, you know... Midnight, something like da, da, da. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm just talking about holding her. I'm not talking about flipping her down the side of No, I'm not talking about that. Right? I'm just talking about holding her in her arms and kissing her and just holding her and hugging her. Why? Because I think it's important for my children to see how a man should hold a woman. It's important for me to send those signals, son. This is how you hold a woman. And and to Laura. This is how you should expect a man to hold you and treat you. Does that sound right? Yeah, I'm right. It sounds right. So we do it. Now as they get older, the kids go, go and get yourself a room. We got a room when we had you. <laughs> the point is, 
I'm never too old to do that. Now, kids think that once you get to a certain age, love, sex, all that stuff doesn't belong to old, old folks. They think it's just for them. We've got to teach them. You've got to teach kids that love and romance, there is no age limit on it. There is no age limit on it. So what I'm saying is, when it comes to prayer and teaching the children, you must show people, you must show the kids or the family how to approach God. Show them how you're supposed to approach God. You know, because some of my kids, where is it? Is it up there? God! Or some people have that big list and just ramble this great big list. Well, I don't know how to talk to God. Most people don't know how to talk to God and don't know how to hear God. You must start the teaching off. Come on. Now, in the Old Testament... When Samuel, who was Israel, one of Israel's greatest prophets, one Hannah had the child, she gave him to the Lord because she struggled and struggled and struggled. She wanted this child so much. She said, Lord, if you give me a child, I'll wean him, and then I'm going to present him to the temple, and he'll become a priest forever. That's a, that's a pretty sacrifice there. So she takes him to the temple, and she knits him clothes and stuff like that, and she, every year she'd go back and see him. And, and, but there come a time when God wanted to speak to Samuel. And it was his first encounter. And he'd never heard the voice of God, just like many of you and, many, and me at times. We can't hear the voice of God. And he goes to the priest. The priest is the one who should be able to teach him how to hear God. And in the middle of the night, he hears this voice. And he keeps running. And he, he keeps running. He says, and, and Eli says, what's wrong? He says, no, I, just, I said, I thought you heard a noise. Go back to bed, son. This happens a few times. Eventually, Eli says, the next time you hear this voice, speak. And God will speak. It's like, well, why didn't you teach me that on day one? So then what happens is, Samuel, I, it always encourages me when I read Samuel, because it was a day when he did not know how to hear God. I've had that day. I had many of those days. But there's a day when you do hear God and you begin to recognize him. Now, God won't speak like that all the time, but this is a, that's a different message. But God got his attention, so now Samuel knew he had his first encounter, what pleased him no end, and he became Israel, one of Israel's greatest prophets. But his own kids was a nightmare. His own kids were a nightmare. The point is you can only teach what you're given responsibility for. But there's no doubt about it, Samuel could hear God, and he got it sharp. He got it sharp. Our kids will make their own choices. But you need to be the model. Let them make their choices. But you must be the model. You must be the model. And there's a time, so after a while, he begins to hear God, and God could use him, and he was probably Israel's finest prophet. Awesome prophet. So let them see, let your kids, let your unsafe partner, See you pray, or let him hear you pray. But those who can, you know, those who have got partners who are Christians, pray together. So many husbands and wives do not pray together. It's taken me a long time for me and my wife to get to that point, but we're now there. We're now there. Thank God. That's a great work God's done in our mind, Carol's life. The fact that we can bring together and we can let that embarrassment out. And now she knows. I'll speak more than her. And I know I'll speak more than her. 
So I have to pull back and let and encourage her. But it's good. It's good because she's picking up my spirit. I'm picking up her spirit. And together, God is shaping two voices so it becomes one. And this whole thing of praying for the family has been that. Been that. We, we, pushed, we pulled that wall down so we could come together to build another wall. Yeah? I'm letting you know that we, we are, we've had difficulties in this area. But we've now found the ground where we can hold the family. We've now, we've now found a place where we can hold the family together. Carol, two is better than one. Where two or three, the basic is two. Start from that premise where two or three gather together, there I am in the midst. So now God's given us a third one. He's given us Scott. So now me, Carol, and Scott can hold, we can consolidate our position in the spirit, and we can bring Ben and Laura across. But you you need to establish the ground. And your children need to see prayer, you and mum and dad, praying together at some point. And if you can include the kids in that, poof, fandabidozi. Fandabidozi. If you can't show them how to connect with God, how do you expect them to connect with God? Hello? So it really helps you to refine how you will pray. Yeah? It's important. This couple, both together, had an encounter with heaven. So they could raise Samson knowing that they both had a divine encounter with heaven. Hello? It's not enough to pray for your family. We must let the family see us pray for them. It's not enough to pray for the family, but we must find ways to let the family see us praying for them. Yes? Now, I'm not saying you pray for them in front of them. You know, if, if, if I, like, just say, for instance, Phil's my wife, and Scott and Laura's over there, she's backslidden. Lord, me and Carol praying. This woman over there is backslid, Lord. I pray, oh God, that you, you, you heathen. No, I'm not talking that. I'm just saying, let, her, let them see you pray. And if you're praying for her, wait until she goes home first. Before you start talking to the Lord about your daughter, or your son, or your husband. Do you understand what I'm saying? My daughter's lifestyle is not a good one. But if I started praying, when I do pray for her, I wouldn't want Laura to hear how I'm interacting with God. Because I don't want to feel I don't want Laura to feel misunderstand. Because I've got a relationship with this God that she doesn't have. So that gives me a certain platform to talk with God in a certain way that she would never understand until she crosses over. Do you understand what I'm saying? So the first one is, Manoah prayed. You must pray together. I'm encouraging you to pray together. Strongly encouraging you together to pray together. Amen? Next one is, there was a genuine desire to seek God in how to raise this child into its destiny. They inquired of the Lord, come back to us, Speak to us. Why? Because we need to know how to raise this child for its destiny. Where most parents pray to give me a child, this couple was praying, show us how to raise the child. Listen. 
for it yesterday. Many pray for a child. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. Then there's the next level. Oh God, just give me the wisdom to raise the child. Nothing wrong with that. But you know they're not enough. Because the child still has a destiny and your job as a parent is to understand, have a snapshot of that destiny, raise that child so that all your wisdom and all your encouragement and all your teaching can keep that kid on track so it can have no obstacles or limited obstacles so it can then possess what God always wanted that child to have. Amen? What we do, we pray for a child. Nothing wrong with that. We pray, give me wisdom. And then the kid develops these certain types of likes. And then we get all our weight behind our child's likes. And we realize the child has taken us in a different direction. You must know. There's nothing wrong with the child. Listen, the child has to be taught. It's not wrong for the child to have certain desires. Your job as the parent is to steer the child in the way that you feel God has spoken to you. So you as a parent must have a sense, God, where's Johnny going? Well, have a look in your family line. See what's flowing in the lineage first. That just might give you a little window. I'm not saying that is. You can't just look for that. You've got to look at that and say, God, are you going to, this seems to be strong in our family. Is this where you want for Johnny and Sally? And let the Lord speak to you and direct you. And once you have a sense of that, you then begin to stay and begin to pray into that. So Johnny has no obstacles. I wish my mum and dad would have known that God was calling me into the ministry. Because maybe I wouldn't have had half the stuff going on in my life. Yeah? They could have saved me from a lot of stuff. They could have educated me in certain ways. My mum and dad may be able to even prepare me better for speaking. Maybe members of the family might have been able to help that musical ability. I don't know. The point is, I didn't have them and God was still with me. Amen? I've just tapped into some things. Your children will tap into some things. So, you must know how to raise your children into destiny. Because if destiny is a very, very powerful Thing. Your child is born with a purpose. This week, some of you may have read on Facebook, my son was driving to work. As he's driving to work, he's uh, in Hyde, he's on the motorway. As he's driving, he sees this girl on the bridge ready to commit suicide. And everybody was driving past, ignoring her. And Scott sees it, pulls over gets out the van and begins to engage in communication with this girl and starts talking. And eventually as he's talking, he finally gets up to the bridge and he begins to hold her hand so she can't jump. By that time, other people are starting to arrive and he says, ring the police. And the police come, da-da-da, long story. But the girl's got no hope. She's got no, her family life's not going good. But that girl is born for a reason. Now, I said to myself, God, she didn't die today because there's a purpose. Now, unfortunately, it might take a few more stages before she ever plugs in 
to what she was born for. But thank God, God averted a disaster. That girl is still on track for her destiny. But what she needs is someone to come and show her how to get there. Because she's got all these feelings. She only, I think she was 12 or 13. No age, is it? Right? They don't even know their name at that age. And she's emotionally all chewed up inside. And she didn't want to talk, but she gave Scott little bits of information. But it really encouraged me that, one, he stopped. Two, he engaged. Three, he prevented. Yeah? He acted in a moment when it most needed him to act. So I was really proud. As a father, I go, whoa, great stuff. More than your dad did today. But I just think someone, and I started praying, Lord, protect that girl, connect her to the next stage. On her dot to dot of life, she's going to look back at some light, at some stage, she's going to say, I remember when I was about to commit suicide. And I was 13 years of age, and I was about to throw myself off, and don't know, this, this lad, this man stopped. And who's, who knows in the craziness of God, who's to say that in one of our youth events, that girl doesn't give a life and when Scott's preaching. And she recognizes Scott. You just don't know. But the point is, she needs someone to teach her how to get to the next stage of her life and destiny. And if there's no one there, she'll go from pillar to post. Just like you and I do. So it's important that we find parents who can tap in to God at that level to show our kids. Amen? The child needs raising into its destiny. Now, that destiny is the supernatural side of God. We don't want child to have a church life only. We want that child to know God, walk with God, and demonstrate God. Amen? There is no glory in a church life. All you did this morning was come in, raise your hand, sit down, listen. That's not Christ. That's aspects of Christ. But that's not you. Nobody knows we're here this morning. We're not impacting the world sat here this morning. Let's not kid ourselves. But God wants to raise us so that the child can become a standard bearer. Amen? A bearer of morals, values, standards. Where do they come from? Someone has to pass them on, pass them down. So, like I say, raising children to come to church is wrong. It's wrong, and it's wrong. There's more. Because I don't know what church you may have been to or I have been to in the past. That was never, never where God wanted me to be. Yeah? You must raise your children for God. You must, you and your children individually must know the Lord. See, up to Scott going to Australia, Scott did not know God. Scott had only ever a, ch uh, a church life. Now, my son walks with God. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm glad we prayed. I'm glad we believed. Now I can help him find his destiny. Again, now I can speak with him. Now I can pray with him. Fantastic. Now, the father and the son together... It's my role to teach Scott to know the ways of God. That's what you must do as a parent. Now, teach the ways of God to your children. What do I do? What do I do, Dad? If I feel God is saying, then you then begin to help him. Why? Because you know how to touch God. You walk with God. 
Your children must be able to sit down and ask you, how can I hear God? How can I touch God? How do I know God's speaking to me? You must be able to show them the way. And here's the problem in modern church today. Most parents can't teach the children other than bring them to church. They do not know how to teach them the ways of God. We teach them, here we go, your sanctified rules will not keep them in church. We teach them rules. We don't teach them ways. We want to teach them, sit here, be quiet, colour your book, do this, rules. Come to church, if you don't, God, God will strike you dead. That's called rules, religious rules. God is not in the rules. Teach them the ways of God. Amen? The ways of God. Kids have problems with the ways. So if you can teach them the ways, and what we do is we substitute the rules because we don't know how to teach them the ways. So now I can walk with my son and my, and my wife and, and I can bring them into the ways. And sometimes I'm talking to Laura because I know, Laura, there's a seed there alive in my daughter. I know it. When I talk to her, I feel it. She was called to be a missionary. I knew it. To work with kids, I just knew it. That was Laura's grace. She was like a magnet to kids. I just knew that that was something in her heart, what God was calling her towards. So when I talk to her, I can show her the ways of God in relation to, because I know if I talk to Laura and I, and I want to tap into her heart, I talk children. And straight away, now she's helping older folks now. She's in the care industry, but she still hasn't yet worked out what God's called her for. But dad knows. She'll work with kids. She will work with kids. Why? Because it's dad's ways to show her how the ways of God. Laura, how do you really feel about kids? And then start helping her understand it. She'll go, yeah, dad. God's, listen, God's on her life, even though she's a million miles away. Dad must see that, not lose hope. Because, you know, with prayer, she's never far away. Your prayer, she's never far away. One prayer can bring him back. One prayer. Well, not one prayer, but prayer. So you must know the ways of the Lord to know the destiny for their lives. So once you know the ways of God, you can steer them more adequately in the things of God for the destiny of God. So look at the, looking, at the, looking at your children, what do you see is their innate gifting? In their nature, what do you see your children as? Are they good talkers? Are they leaders? Are they, are they uh, musical? Uh, what, can they draw? Can they, are they good talkers? This is, when you look at your children, it's an indication as to how God might use them. I didn't say would use them that way, but might use them. We're looking for a reference point. At this stage, we're looking for the beginning to keep praying into. Lord, I can see you, you're doing this with Johnny. I can see how this is how you work with Sally. Lord, is this what you want? From, I'm just beginning to pray. Lord, strengthen that gifting. Confirm that to me. Show me, Lord. Is this what you want for, uh, for our daughter? Is this what you want for my husband? Is this what you want for my, my son? It may not be kids. They might be big kids now. doesn't matter if they've never found what, they, if they've never found what they're looking for. You're not, you're not wrong. Keep praying until they discover what they have looked for. I realized 
Every one of our kids has got a uniqueness. Haven't they? I know if I put Ben with Scott, there is a lot of similarities, but Ben just wants to touch everything, play with everything, break it, and then try and fix it. That's Ben's nature. Where Scott is different, Scott will talk before he breaks something. But when the two of them together, one's character seems to rub off on the other. Maybe you've got kids like that. Maybe, you know, when every Christmas when my father, when me Shirley used to go down to my, my grandmother's, all the family would be there. And all the three, the three sons, my father and his two brothers, their nature used to rub off and dominate the whole room. When family gets together, certain characters begin to come alive and there are instigators. But that can be turned around. It can be turned around. Amen? So God heard Manoah and the angel came again. And God heard Manoah's prayer and the angel came again. Let me say this. Angelic visitations must become part of your relationship with God. Now, I'm not talking about angels sitting on the end of your bed and talking to you and feeding you. We're not into that fairy at the bottom of the garden stuff. Yeah? Leave that for the crazy ones. I'm talking about angelic visitations when you can show your family, I believe an angel has just been involved in our family. This whole realm called the supernatural is not only for them or for her, it's for us all. It's for us all. And angels are involved in our daily lives far more than you would ever imagine. The Bible says you've even entertained them and you was not aware. Manoah spoke to one and he didn't even know it was an angel. Because they don't come with wings. And they don't come glowing and flowing and, and all that. They come. They can come in many ways. Angels can eat food. Read your Bible. Many times angels sat and had meals with people and drank. Now, are they, are they flesh and blood? No. They can take on the appearance. But the Bible says that every child has an angel. Angels are there to get involved, to help us to do the work of God. But listen, don't get so caught up with angels that you don't need a relationship with Jesus. Angels are not there for that. Lord, send me an angel because I just want to get so... Uh, I, I want to see an angel, Lord. I just want to see an angel. I just want to see... I just want to see an angel. Not like that. When you need them, they're there. I've seen them. I've seen them. I saw two in here. And I've had one involved with my son in an accident. I just knew an angel had been on the case. I've certainly felt them in my own life when I should have been killed many, many times on motorbikes. Yeah? I should have been killed. The day I passed my bike test, I should have been killed dead. And it just shows you that there's nothing in my head. And it saved me. And I just know angels were involved. And when I get up to heaven, they're going to say, Ha-ha, I was the one. Ah, you're the one. Thank goodness you were awake. We need angelic visitations in our family's life. Teach your children 
to get, open up the hearts because our angels are going to be involved. Hello? I said angels are going to be involved. Kids are so perceptive. Kids are so open to the realm of the supernatural. So, so open. Phil and I, when we went to Australia the first time and we're talking with this young lad, his encounter with angels, it just melted me. That this kid was having no problem encountering angels. Now, it lasted for a period of time in his life. Because you know why? Because the kid got distracted and went on to other things. He's still following God. He's a great kid. He's not so much a kid today. But I'm sat there and tears are in my eyes. And I, when I, even when I come home and I'm telling Carol, I couldn't talk because I was just so emotional. That this kid's encounter with his, this angelic and what he'd seen and how he was describing the other side was just blowing me away. Wasn't he, Phil? And he was describing things in Revelation that you were in the book of Revelation. He was talking about rivers and names and encounters. And he was telling us that, that even theologians would struggle to remember. But his kid's seen it all. And I'm thinking, O-M-G. It, great, it gave me great confidence to believe there's a world in there that I can touch. And not only that, there's a world there that wants to touch me. I want to release my kids, my grandkids, into that whole dimension. I want them to see God. When you, you know, some Sundays we come to church, we may not feel God, we may not see God. But in the everyday of life, my kids can walk with God and touch him. I talk about this God like he's real. You know why? Because he is. Just because you may not have touched a certain dimension does not mean to say it can't be touched. I've seen, many of you have seen, many of you have touched. This dimension is very, very real. It's almost like sometimes you can just walk through, feel the tangible presence of God. Well, I've never had that. Why? Because I fellowship with a God like that. And you do. Lastly, there must be a spirit, there must be a spirit of supernatural flowing through the family. This is opened up through prayer. This whole portal is opened up through prayer. How you pray will determine what comes into your life and how far you can step into God. It really is. Prayer is the key. I said prayer is the key. My kids have seen miracles. Miracles, miracles, miracles in my family. Why? Because dad had to take the lead. They've seen supernatural miracles in, 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 in mum's life, in Carol's life. They cannot deny it. They cannot argue it. They've seen it in my son's life, two of my boys. They've seen the miraculous take place. I know I serve a miraculous God. And you know, and I've realized that more and more, I, my family needs the miraculous. You know, it, I'm going to say this very carefully. My kids don't need another sermon. They need to touch the power. They need to touch the God that that sermon talks about. Some people are happy to know about God. I want my kids to know God. I don't want my kids... To, to when I'm dead and gone. Oh, remember when dad used to tell us this? 
I don't want them to be stories around a campfire only. I want them to, to know and have a real tangible experience that dad did this, we touched that God, he's our God, and we walk with that God that our forefathers, our fathers and our forefathers taught us. Yeah? I don't want my teachings to be in a book. I want my teachings to be in a life. How about you? Am I making you hungry for the supernatural? The angel came. They both saw the angel. Come on, why can't we believe that angels can't just come in and give us that supernatural touch for our kids? Amen? Now, here's the interesting thing, guys. This, I'm gone. You read that story. Who was it who touched the supernatural first? Here's the key. Why we don't see it in church. The wife touched the dimension of the spirit before her husband. It seems that women have this character, nature, that they don't struggle with intimacy. Women can reveal their emotions a lot more easier than men. It's not that men can, it's men that choose not to. Because we're all designed to have an intimate relationship with God. But the man has this persona, can't let the wife or the kids see me cry. Can't let me, why? Because he was raised, big men don't cry. When you fall over and you hurt your knee, stop crying, you big girl. Now I'm, now I'm a girl because I cry. So when is a lad ever, when is a lad ever given permission when it's acceptable to cry and not? Yes? So now he has to go through life and he makes it out. And sometimes he goes through certain, emo, uh, certain moments where he's not in control and the moment will just cause him to cry. And then he feels the right Burke because everyone's seen him crying. Now, if you laugh, you can cry. If you, if you get ecstatic, you can cry. But why does it have to take the extreme for you to cry? We must be... Walk with God where our hearts are so soft that if God speaks, we cry. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting softer and softer as I get older. I can cry watching telly. And then you kind of give it as a blow. <laughs> hell, hell of a game, hell of a game. Hey, there you go. Give it all that. And as Carol's going, are you crying? Me? No, oh, you know what? You know, as I'm getting older, my eyes are watering a lot more. And then Scott looks at me and goes, What? I mean, this is just the news I'm watching. But as I'm, as I'm getting older, I'm crying more. I walk into, I walk into, the, into the presence with God sometimes, and I just, I, and I just, and, and you know, I realise now this is a good quality because I'm not stood before you now giving up. <laughs> but you know, you've seen me. I've stood here in moments when God's presence is here. And I'll cry. Why? Because it's the right response. It's the right response. But women, she touched the presence first. And it shows me that women are a key, are a catalyst for touching the dimension of the spirit. And men thinks, well, it's okay. It's okay to be emotional. It's because she touches because she's emotional. I'll just keep it all together. 
Stop being a dipstick. If you learn to pray with your wife, something just might rub off on you. And you might find you both, you might find yourselves both kneeling down and both crying. And guys, if your wife sees you cry, it's not a bad thing. Now I'm not volunteering, sitting down and saying, honey, punch me, let me cry. And then you can see me crying just so you know what it looks like. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, it's good as you both get tender in the presence of God. It's amazing what God can do in your heart when two people come together and the and, and the weeping over the same things. I tell you, the, God, the Bible says that God wipes, puts all the tears in a bottle. And he goes, there's your wives. Oh, there's your wives. There's yours, it's empty. You hard-hearted dipstick. Someone's got to keep the family together. Yes, it's called moi, God. So, she touched the supernatural realm. But then she told her husband what God had said. Listen, you may be, ladies, you may be the catalyst. But guys, you cannot remain like that. He had to come into the scenario. Why? Because they are parents. They both had to raise the child in the supernatural dimensions. It's not one. It's not enough to let the wife keep doing it. Guys, take responsibility and learn to pray with your wife and stand side by side. If you want to rebuild the walls of your family, it must become two. The the two become one. The power of one is established. E pluribus unum. Let's stand to our feet. You may not, you think, well, we don't know how to pray. Just start speaking what's in your heart. Don't worry about the flow of the language. Just concentrate and get in the start. Just concentrate on getting the start going. Concentrate on bringing the two people together, praying. Don't concentrate on how long you pray or how short it is. Just concentrate in the first stage of coming together. Amen? Come together and let God do something. Begin to start worshipping first. Well, how do I worship? Just open, That was going to talk about today, but that way time's gone by. Just begin to open up, lift your hands, and just begin to start just worshiping. Oh, Lord, we love you. Put a CD on. Put a CD on. Put a CD. I don't mean Matt Monroe. I don't mean Metallica. I don't mean one of those CDs. Put a, a worship CD on and just begin to worship to two or three tracks on your own. And just, now, if you haven't got, I know, I know I'm talking in uh, cross sections here where families don't have saved parents. Listen. Husbands are not saved or the wife's not saved. You must start. You must keep on praying wherever you are. But where there is husband and wife, come together. Okay? Come together. Put a CD on. Begin to worship. Get the presence of God in the room. And the rest will take care of itself. Amen? So come on, just raise our hands if you will. There are children at stake. There are husbands and wives at stake. That need to be brought into the dimension of the Holy Spirit and the fellowship of the Father and the Son. There is a dimension of God that he wants all families in the dream center to live in, walk in, breathe, 
touch. God wants you to have this and know this. But you must know the ways of God. Your rules will not keep them. The ways of God will keep them. He says, teach your children and when they're older. That's the ways of God. Very often we want, we want our children to know the God of salvation. And then when they find the God of salvation, we leave and we stop praying. But God wants your children to know the God of the kingdom. Not just the God of salvation. He's the God, the Matthew is the God of the kingdom. So in Matthew 6, we see our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your will be done on earth. He's the God of the kingdom. Not just the Christ who offers salvation. There is, there is such a vastness of God that God wants all our families to live in. Once you bring them into salvation, move them into the kingdom. Amen? Father, right now, I lift up every family before me today. Father, we call heaven and earth. We bring it together. Father, through the power of the kingdom, I pray for the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to be across this whole house. Right across this house, oh God. Father, I pray for the depth of Christ. Salvation to come into every home. Salvation to come into every home. Father, I pray, oh God, even this week, angelic visitation will take place in the lives of your people. Oh, Father, this week we release, oh God, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to move in the lives of the families in this house. Show every family, oh God, what's in their lineage. But not just show them, oh God, show them how to tap into what you've already put in to the soil. This week it's time to go mining. It's time to go digging. It's time to pray and ask the Lord, show me what's in my lineage, Lord. Show me, oh God, what you've already supplied. Show me how to draw the minerals, Father, from the lineage. Show me, Lord, how to tap in to what you've already supplied. Come on, ask the Lord. Show me, oh God. What have you started, oh God? What is that good work you've started in my family? Show me, oh God, how to tap, draw from that, from that supply. Oh my God. Draw from that supply, church. I said draw from that supply. Oh, she baba karianda. Yeah, mama masarianda rababa korianda. Draw from the supply. Draw from the supply. You know, our names have meanings. Our names have meanings. And very often, it's part of that destiny of the name. It's revealing what, you, what God's called you a name. Why are you called the name you're called? <coughs> Some of you need a new name in God. Some of you are about to receive a new God. See, some names that have been given in the natural are not good names. I don't mean you don't like the name John or you don't like the name Peter. We're not talking about that. Some people were given names based on family traditions and outward circumstances. And names can limit and contain you. 
And God, very often across the world, as you go into Asia and places like that, names were given, were names after the gods they used to, their ancestors worshipped. But in in the in the spirit, God gives us new names. I remember going through a, a time of containment in my life, and God used the prophet to come and speak to me, and he gave me the name Jabez. And that was my name. And that was all about God was about to enlarge my territory. I felt contained. And the name, the new name was you'll never be contained again. There's a new territory for you. So my spiritual name is Jabez, meaning there's a new territory. Let God speak to you. Let God speak to you. Because the name, listen, when you name your children, you, you should, don't just give them the name you like. Give them the name that speaks of the destiny. And as you begin to speak that name, just begin to keep sowing that meaning into the spirit. So then they own the very thing they were called, you're called to do. So I know in the spirit, my name's Tony in the natural, but in the spirit, my name is Jabez. Because God's saying, Tony, you will not know containment ever again. The family tried to bring in containment. That's so indicative of my past. My family brought me containment, but God... Lifted it off me. Now I don't want, now I've got a, a heavenly father. I've got a, an earthly father who has, has shown me, the, uh, shown me and walked me through my new territory. And shown me what's in my new territory. It takes a father to do that. God supplied to me what the natural father couldn't do. God gave me a spiritual father to show me what my natural father was incapable of doing. Why? Because God does not want me or you or us to be contained. And he gave me a name which would be symbolic of that. Jabez, you will not, no longer ever know containment. So I have a little bear in my car and it's called Jabez. And every time I'm in the car, my granddaughter wants to play with it. She can't call Jabez, she calls it Jelabez. Why? Because that, that bear has traveled with me. Why? Because it reminds me of who I am and what I'm called. I know my destiny. It's not to be contained. You must know your destiny in God. You must know the destiny of your children. So when containment comes to your children's life, you're able to pull it out, rip it off, pull it off them so they can walk free. So Father, right now, we thank you, Lord, that you've walked into the room. We thank you, O oh God, that you've redeemed our past. To give us a future. Thank you, O oh God, that you're not, God, you're not a God of rules. You're a God of ways. You teach us your ways. Then all your precepts are beautiful. You teach us your ways, O oh God. Because knowing the ways of God, you lead us to your heart. So, Father, we thank you for all that you've given us. For all that you do. We say thank you, Lord. Come on, let's just say thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for what you've given us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.